Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. What's up? Who's excited for church tonight? Come on. If we have not met, my name is Oli. My wife and I, we started this church four years ago and uh, it is crazy. It, in, in three weeks, we will have been going through this pandemic for two years. So that means as a church of four years, we spent half our toddler years in a pandemic. It's just crazy to think about. Thank you. Uh, and today is a great day if you're new to church because we are starting a collection of talks called Rooted. Somebody shout Rooted. Rooted. And it's really about around this 10-week discipleship course that we're going through together as a church called Rooted. We've never done this before. Uh, normally the way we do groups is, is free market. We have a basketball group. We've got a painting group. We've got a... A Golden State Warriors group. I don't know what they, if that's real, but someone's I'm prophesying it out loud, you know. And the idea is we'll, we'll do things that we love and we'll invite Jesus into that space and we'll pray in that space. And what we're doing now is everyone, every group in our church is going through the same curriculum. Not only am I preaching on it, all the groups are going through it. And this, this book right here is $15, but it's free 99 if you come to the groups. So if this is your church, if you call this place home, Come to Rooted, come to the groups, go to our website, sign up. You don't want to miss it. I want to begin by reading Matthew 13. And if you have it on the screen, someone say amen. I got to warn you, today I gotta, I'm going to teach more than I'm going to preach. If you come to center, say, you know I hoot and holler. We're a loud church. This tribe has a vibe, amen. But today I'm going to preach a kind of a hard message. Not as hard as Nathan Finocchio last week. That was crazy, right? I've never, I've never been a part of a sermon for an hour and a half. That was amazing. But today I want, I want to teach today. Because uh, I, I have to convict you today of some things that God is it's not easy to say, but I'm hoping you'll receive it and that he'll do something in your heart. And starting in verse 1, it says, that, this, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large, large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and he sat in it. While all the people stood on, on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Someone say path. And the birds came and ate it. Some fell along the rocky place. Someone say rocky place. Where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns. Someone say thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on the good soil. Someone say good soil. That's what I'm hoping will happen to your heart today. Where it produced a crop 160 and 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. I'm gonna preach around this idea. How do you and I glorify God? Because God wants us, listen, to produce fruit, but there are barriers to us glorifying God. That's the title of my today's talk is Barriers. To glorifying God. Would you bow your head and pray with me before we begin? God, thank you so much, Lord, that you have us gathered here in preparation to hear your word. God, thank you for your presence today, God, as we lift up your name. Your name is mighty. God, we want to magnify the name of Jesus in this room. God, maybe we leave this room talking different, loving different, acting different, because we had an encounter with you, Jesus. We came in one way, God, but we want to leave another. And if you believe that, everybody said, a little bit louder, everybody said, Come on, uh, I, I got two kids, and I'm not sure if, if you as a parent have this problem, but my kids have very weird stomachs. When it comes to dinner time, their stomachs are this small. 
But when it's snack time, their stomachs are this big. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? And I have the same conversation with them every day after school. I pick them up. My wife cooks dinner. Thank God for her because I heat food. She actually cooks food. So, so she's cooking. I'm picking up the kids. And the same thing they tell me every day, Dad, I'm hungry. I go, I know, girl. We're going to be home in 10 minutes. Mom has dinner. She goes, no, 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 Mom, Dad, I'm not hungry for dinner. I'm like, what are you hungry for? She goes, I'm hungry for a snack. And we've been spending the last six months doing everything we can to get them unaddicted from sugar. I blame myself and my grandmother. She's in the room. My mom, she's in the room. She's the one giving them ice cream. All you parents, watch out for the in-laws. They're going to mess up that diet plan. So we've been working for six months. How can we give our kids more fruits and vegetables? And it's a challenge because one kid loves bananas. She'll eat two a day, and one kid won't even touch them. One kid loves kiwis. The other one thinks it's, it doesn't taste good. And one loves blueberries. The other won't even touch them. And I'm happy to announce we finally found a fruit that our kids love. And I want to show you a picture. This is literally from my fridge last night. Oranges! And not just normal oranges. These are blood oranges. And my kids are obsessed. We have 40, literally 40. Because why? Because every morning, dad, 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 orange. Cut it. My three-year-old, she goes, dad, you hear me? Yes, I heard you the day before and the day before. She doesn't want me to peel it. She won't eat it if you peel it. Dad, cut it. Did you hear me, Dad? Yes. And my kids constantly are wanting me to produce fruit in the same way. This is the best sermon transition ever. <laughs> Your father wants you to produce fruit. And fruit as, a, fruit as a Christian is not optional. It's commanded. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 8. This is my, to my father's glory. I believe if you're in this room, you want to glorify God. You want to live a life that's pleasing to him. You want to know him. You want to walk with him. You want to live a life worthy of what he did for you. If you're new to Christianity, you don't know what it's about, God became a man in the person of Jesus. And he died for us on the cross. And because of his sacrifice, we go to heaven. And what do you do when, when he's given you everything? How do you say thank you? You don't do works. You obey him. And, and I, I believe this room is filled with people who want to glorify. But the question is, how do I glorify God? He gives us the answer that you would bear much fruit. Someone say, got fruit. Do you have it? Because this is not something that like those who profess faith or those who believe in Jesus. Listen, the demons believe in Jesus, but they don't bear fruit. This is something that Jesus says, bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is not a profession of faith. This is not a, a, I attend church. My grandmother is Catholic. and She takes me to church sometimes. God wants you to bear faith. God wants you to bear fruit. But in the same way that an apple, listen, produces more apples, a banana will produce more bananas. And this teaching is bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, right? A Christian who's close to Jesus, what do they do? They, they produce fruit. I have a question for you. I want you to write this down. Think about this this week. Are you a disciple producing fruit? When people encounter you, are they encountering your culture are they encountering your nationality or are they encountering the spirit of Christ in you? Because you and I are called to, to talk like Jesus, love like Jesus. And often when we come to church, we bring American institutional teaching. When I go to high school, I learn from my teacher. I have no relationship with my teacher. When I'm in, a, in college, class is optional. All I got to do is show up for the midterms and the finals, turn my, mid, my report card in. I don't even need to talk to the professor. There is this it, this in the nation of information being transferred, but no relationship with the teacher. In first century, you did not just sit under the teaching of a rabbi. You followed him. 
which meant if a teacher or rabbi held the door open for women, you held the door open for women. If a, if a, if a, if a rabbi had a crip walk because he listened to hip-hop, you know, but he wasn't from the hood, as a disciple of, of that rabbi, you'd be like, oh, I guess I got to do this. You know? and, you, and you would begin to walk the way that he walked. You would begin to talk the way that he talked because it wasn't just information. It was a way of life. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's not just information and doctrine that's being transferred, but a lifestyle. And that means when you and I encounter Jesus, you and I should talk like him, love like him, and forgive our enemies like him. And in the same breath that I say that, some of you are discouraged because you, you have a heart that wants to go after God. You have a desire to please him. You have a, a longing to bear fruit, but often it's challenging, right? We got to sit in traffic for an hour, then we got to work for eight hours and drive home for an hour, and then we got to make dinner, watch Netflix, and go to bed, and do the same thing over and over. And it's hard. And some of us are married, and some of us have two little demons who, who want cut orange every day. You know what I'm talking about? And it's challenging because we want to bear fruit. And what do we do in those situations? What well, we're not, we try harder. We don't like the words that are coming out of our mouth. We don't like that we lose our temper to our spouse. We don't like how we lose our anger on the road when someone cuts us off. So I'm going to be more loving today. I'm going to try harder not to lose my temper. And it's a very religious-based attempt to bear fruit. Because if you don't like the fruit, I wrote it this way, change the root. If you don't like the fruit, change the root. And this is not a principle that I'm teaching. This is a teacher that... Jesus teaches. John chapter 15, verse 8, 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And if a man remains, some translations say abides. It's this language of intimacy with God. It's this language that I'm in relationship with him, that him and I are close, him and I are tight. I don't have a relationship through my mom. I don't have a relationship with God. I don't go to, I don't go to the priest. I go to Jesus myself. And him and I talk. And I, I abide in him, and him and me. He will bear much fruit. Someone say much fruit. There's, I, I believe this room is filled with people who want to bear fruit. But in an attempt, when we don't, we try harder. And, and, and we know this principle, though, of if you don't like the root, change. If you don't like the fruit, change the root. Because fruit is the byproduct of something else. Jesus says, if you want to bear fruit, don't chase the fruit. Chase me. And we learned this actually in elementary school. I'm going to sing a song. I want everyone to sing it with me. Beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you... You said it, not me. Y'all are ratchet. You were in church. How dare you say that? See, five-year-olds, they don't just squeeze out a fart. You know what they do? They eat beans. Because they know if you eat beans, the byproduct is tooting. Some of you Christians, you're trying to be more loving. When you, what you need to do is spend time with Jesus and abide with him and the byproduct, he promises that you'll bear fruit. Amen? Some of you need to come to Jesus over the next four weeks of this collection of talks. Uh, we, we've never done this. We've never done a collection of talks around our groups. So whether you come to our groups or you're, 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 you're double dipping and going to groups and Sunday, you're going to get a rooted experience. Because listen, I love that the title of the book is called Rooted. Because if you don't like the fruit that's in your life, change the fruit. Change the, change the root. And Jesus teaches us that there are barriers to us bearing fruit in our life. There are things that if we don't know what's going on, there are three barriers to us glorifying God. 
And I want to show you from Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. I want to read you this again because I want it in your spirit. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Stop right there. Jesus is not teaching us farm analogies because he wants you to be a farmer, okay? Jesus is not using these analogies because he's all about farm to table. That's not the principle here. Jesus is a teacher, and he's trying to teach you spiritual things and things in the culture. This is an agrarian culture. If Jesus were alive here today, you know what you're talking about? Apple iPhone or the, the Android, which is basically a paperweight that you paid $1,000 for, praying for some of you. Or, or, or he, he, he would use analogies of hardware and software. He would be, speak the techie language. But because he's talking to farmers, because he's talking to an agrarian culture, he uses those analogies. But you got to realize, what is the truth behind the truth? What is he saying behind this analogy? Next verse. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Others fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what it was sown. Whatever, whoever has ears, let them hear. Anyone drive from San Jose to L.A.? What do we normally do? We cut across the 152 and then go down the Highway 5, right? Highway 5 is 200 miles of farm country. I love sitting shotgun most of the time I'm driving, but if you look out the window, isn't it fun to see how perfectly line, the straight the lines are of the farms? Like, oh my gosh, everything is, like they maximize everything. And often in our minds, when we think of first century farms, we think they took lean sigma classes, that they're lean, maximizing the, the crops, maximizing every square inch. It's like, if you notice, most farmers today, they don't actually plant seeds. A tractor does. That's why everything is 12 inches apart. The, the spacing between uh, rows of fruit or rows of crops are perfectly aligned. Why? Because machines are maximizing the field. I'm going to show you a field of a first century farm, hoping it blows your mind. Look at this picture with me. This is a farm. It's crazy, right? Some of the, we, got, we got the rocky places, we got the thorns around the rocks, and then we got that, see, see that, like, that line next to the good soil? That's actually the path, I'll talk about that in a moment. And then on the, on the far left, we got the good soil. And Jesus mentions four things in this illustration. He begins with the rocks, and rocks back then were not just things that they, they just like, left there. They put them there on purpose, because they didn't have wood to build fences. The rocks were dividing. On the right side, we have one farm. On the other side, we have another farm. They, they were dividing lines between two properties. Then we have the thorns. These thorns were, if you notice, they don't care about the land around the rocks. That's why thorns are going there. Because you don't really care. You don't care because it's the dividing line between two properties. And the question is, why is Jesus talking about the soil, the rocks, and the thorns? You have to understand Jewish farming practices. See, today, a, a tractor will literally plant a seed in the ground every 12 inches, and they're probably doing three or four rows at a time. Back then, farmers would just grab a bag, stick their hand in, and just, like, make it rain with seeds. Sometimes, if they're lazy, you know what they do? They would tie the bag of seeds to a donkey, pop a hole in the bottom, and just have the donkey walk around the, fa the farm for three or four hours. 
The point I'm trying to make is the seeds were scattered everywhere. They were not efficient. They didn't care. They threw as much seed because they wanted as much soil to be produced and crops to be produced as possible. So sometimes those seeds were among the rocks. Sometimes the seeds were among the thorns. Sometimes the seed fell on the good soil and sometimes it fell on that path. See that path, that line? It almost looks like a hiking trail. Hey, have you ever gone hiking on Rancho San Antonio and Cupertino? The, the trails, they're like carved through the forest because people walked on it again and again and again. That's what the farmers are doing. They don't want to walk on the good soil and kill the crops. So what they're doing is they're walking on the path and Jesus is using all three of these illustrations to teach us something spiritual. Not because he wants us to be a farmer. Because your heart is like the, the hard path. Your heart is like the rocky path. Your heart is like the thorny path. And Jesus is literally teaching us spiritual truths using agriculture. And I feel qualified because I've killed more than 10 house plants. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So I feel qualified to teach on this subject. But the first barrier to you glorifying God, if you're taking notes, write this down. Someone say the path. A little bit louder. Someone say the path. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, a few verses after what we just read. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The path is your heart. Your heart is hard. If you ever walk on a trail, you, 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 when you step on it, nothing is going underneath. So if you throw seeds, they never go underneath the ground. And seeds can't produce unless they go under. And what Jesus is teaching us is some of you in this room, your heart is heart. Your heart is hard. The issue is not with the seed. The issue is not with the word. The issue is your heart. Some of us, we, we've experienced this. We, we, we interact with people who are far from God. We interact with people who don't want to go to church. And we, they, they can tell us stories of how the church said mean and done ugly things. They can, we've all been on social media, how Christians will say mean and nasty things. We've been on the receiving end of some of those comments. So why are we surprised when a loved one or a friend says, I don't want to do church. You guys are just mean, judgmental, angry Christians. And I, I know what that's all about. I, I don't want anything to do with that. The, the issue is not you sharing your faith and not being a good evangelist. The issue is their heart. The seed is perfect, but they're wounded. And, and some of you experience this when you accept Christ. And when you want to get baptized, you're like, guys, I'm getting baptized. And you tell your family and friends, and some of your friends are like, why are you doing something stupid like that? Why, why are you going to church, bro? What's up with that? And the issue is not your salvation. The issue is not that you're not excited and you're not doing the right thing. The issue is their heart is hard. They can't receive the seed. And it doesn't matter how many times you share your faith with them, their heart is hard. And the story of a, a gentleman who and his wife, they're getting ready for dinner. And he goes, honey, what are we having for dinner? And he can hear her in the kitchen. And he thinks, well, if I can hear her, she must hear me. And she says nothing, and he kind of playfully raises his voice, says, Honey, what are we having for dinner? Are you on the menu? You know what I'm saying? Ha, 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 you know what I'm saying? And again, she doesn't respond back, and the third time he raises his voice, he's angry, he's frustrated, says, Yo, Mamacita, what's for dinner? And she says, For the third time, Mr. Loco, we're having pollo. Because he thought the problem was his wife. The problem was he was hard of hearing. He could not hear the word of the Lord slash his wife. Can I get a good amen, right? And we, anyone who's in a relationship, you know, sometimes you're talking, you're sharing your heart out with your spouse, and they're hearing you, but they are not hearing you. 
And Jesus says sometimes we're talking to deaf ears. That's why at the end of the parable, he says, if anyone hears, let him hear. Because just because you're listening does not mean that you're listening. I can tell, I'm front row in this church. I can tell who's leaning in and who's, who's, who's leaning back. Who's looking at their watch ready to go home. And those who are taking notes because they're leaning in because they're hungry. I, 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 I can tell who, who wants to be here and who doesn't want to be here. And who do you think is funner to preach to? The person who's leaning in or the person who's leaning back? Come on. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. But I'll talk to people after church. Sometimes people are afraid to talk to me. Like, oh my gosh, pastor, I love when you said that. And then some people will just say those things because they're, they're trying to chit-chat, but they're not really listening to you. They're like, oh, pastor, that was a good word. I'm like, oh, really, which part? And you see fear come on their face. Uh, the orange cut part. I like that part. You know what farmers did when the soil was tough? They didn't have a tractor. So they begged God for rain. Some of you need to stop playing church. And you need to ask God to soften your heart. Because the sermons I'm preaching, they're fire. The problem is your heart. Some of you are more excited about your fantasy football team than you are the things of God. It has nothing to do, and my fear, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm saying there is so much information. There are so many tools, so many resources. You've got YouTube, you've got Spotify. All A tool will never substitute a heart that's not hungry. Some of your heart is hard. I remember when I first accepted Christ, I was 24 years old. I came out of a Muslim home, and it was like a, a light switch went off. Friday nights was the bars and clubs, and the moment I accepted Christ, I literally went to Barnes & Noble every Friday for three months because I wanted to read about this guy named Jesus who left heaven to die for me. That became the greatest news of my life. And where my friends, they were, when I was like 24, 25, this is a long time ago, Coldplay was the big thing. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Some of you kids live with your parents. You don't even know what that's about. They would chase Coldplay. If he was playing in Irvine, they'd go to Irvine. If he was at Shoreline, they'd go to Shoreline. If he was in SF, they'd go to SF. In that season of my life, I was chasing Jesus at conference from conference. I'd be the first one in line for prayer because I wanted more of Jesus. I had friends who every summer they go to, to Europe or they go to Hawaii, Australia. I would save my money to go to mission trips. People tell me, oh my gosh, I watched every season of the Friends this summer. What did you do, Pastor Ali? I, at the time, I wasn't even a pastor. I'm like, I just read the New Testament and memorized Romans 12. I was like that, I, had, that was, I was about that life, right? Because I was hungry. Because my, my, my heart was soft. And when the seed went in, it produced fruit. But I'm being honest, I'm being transparent. I'm a pastor now. I'm a husband now. I have two kids now. There are days I don't want to run to the Bible. There are days I, I don't even want to come to church. And even me, the guy on stage, I say, God, would you, would you send rain to my heart? Because my heart is soft. And some of you, you're going through the motions, just going through the motions, not even realizing that the word is being planted every single week. There should be, you're the, and you're in the same place you were last year at this time. And what's happening is the path, God is throwing the seed. The seed's perfect, but the enemy just comes and takes it because your heart is hard. Some of you just have this posture. God, I, I love Instagram more than you. God, when I get home from work, I'm more excited to binge watch Netflix 
Because I heard Stranger Things is coming out in two weeks. Come on. <laughs> and you're more excited about binge-watching Netflix than getting on, on your face and praying with God. And it does not matter what discipleship program we go to. It does not matter what I preach. The seed ain't penetrating. And that's a barrier to you glorifying God. Barrier number two, for those of you taking notes, the rocky ground. Somebody shout rocky. Balboa. Kidding. Matthew 13, verse 20. says, he who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the one who hears the word and receives it. This person comes to church. They get saved. They get baptized. Like, oh my gosh, I'm changing. I'm growing in Christ. But watch what happens. They receive it with joy. But since he has no root, their faith is shallow. Surface level faith. He only lasts a short time. Why, Pastor? Why does he only last a short time? He gives you the answer. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word. It says because of the word. Not in spite of the word. Because of the word, he falls away. Again, I have front row seat to, to so many lives in our church. And there are always two. Last week, we baptized three people. It's amazing. Come on, we celebrate those people. 45 baptisms, 230 people receive Christ. It's amazing the life change that God does. But so often as a pastor, I'm celebrating, but I don't know what kind of faith they have. I don't know if their heart is good soil or if their heart is rocky. And the only way you know is what happens when pain comes. Because these people are excited about God. Oh my God, I love you, Jesus. I'm coming to church. I'm serving. I'm giving. I'm part of the faith community. And then tragedy hits. And you'll see two people. And on the surface, they both accepted Christ around the same time. One person, the tragedy causes him to leave Christianity. The other person, it causes him to lean in to Christianity. See, some of you in this church, when you prayed to receive Christ, your prayer was like this. If you just raise your hand and God's going to make you wealthy, he's going to make you healthy, you're going to eat rainbows and poop butterflies, and life's going to be awesome. And that's not, not, that's not the gospel. God does not promise a pain-free life. What he does promise is he's going to hold your hand no matter what you go through. And, and so often, the tragedy that pushes you away is the tragedy that God wants to use to pull you in because you say, God, I don't like this. Would you remove the rocks from my heart? See, some of you don't realize church planning is painful. It's a journey of pain. It's actually about pain tolerance. The more pain you can tolerate, the more you can reach people. It's true. I'm in year four. I'm tired. (laughs) I remember when we first started, back in 2016, my wife and I, we got assessed. and they, They give you a red light a yellow light or a green light. They use stoplights. Red is, please don't do this. You're create, you don't have the gift, you don't have the calling. Yellow light is, you got it, but you need some time. Green is, go now. And my wife and I, we got the green light. We're excited. We have faith. And I spent 18 months fundraising and raised, voila, zero. But it's crazy. When I look back on that time of my life, it did not matter what, how much I was rejected. Did not matter how many obstacles I went through, I would just keep leaning into God. And then most of my church planning mentors, guys who, who lead 15,000 people churches, they said, Al, you need at least 40 people to start a brand new church. We never got more than 25. And it was painful. Started with eight people on a couch with salsa. And we launched this church with 25. And then I remember three months before we began this church, we, we knocked on every door. It's kind of like someone today where we Knocked on 75 doors. Back then, it was the easy cush life, like five, six, maybe 10 doors. 
And finally, the Hotel Valencia opened the doors. Two months before we had our first service, we still didn't have a worship leader. And then God brought Ethan. And let me remind you where Ethan was and why it was painful. Look at this, look at this picture. Oh, listen, this is not a practice. He's wearing shorts and he's, he's reading from an iPad because it's Christian karaoke in Jesus' name. Love you, Ethan. I'm not, I'm not, we're not laughing at you, Ethan. We're laughing with you. But it was painful. It was hard. I remember two days before our very first preview service, some of you don't know the story, four Muslim men came to my house. They knew my name. They knew where I lived. And they wanted to intimidate me not to start this church. Three months into church planning, my daughter has a tumor on her hand. Every time it was painful, every time it was difficult, I leaned in. The tragedy actually caused me to be more intimate with Jesus, not the opposite. And I've seen this time and time again in our church. You have one spouse receives Christ, the other one doesn't. One spouse wants to come to church, the other one doesn't. Now the marriage is even harder. I thought it would be easier, Pastor Ali. No, 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 no. Because of the word, it's harder. I've seen people in the business world. My boss wants me to lie. He wants me to steal. He wants me to cheat. Pastor Alec, God wants me to be honest. What do I do? Life became harder because I became a Christian. And often what happens, persecution becomes because of the word. I wrote it down like this. Suffering. Suffering is a normal part of the Christian experience. Don't be surprised when life gets hard. If you don't believe me, talk to the Afghanist, Christians in Afghanistan. Particularly the pastors who are being murdered for their faith. The apostle Peter who followed Jesus for three years, he says these words. Read them with me. First Peter chapter 4. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange. Come on. Don't be, don't be surprised. It's a normal part of the Christian experience. It's not your lack of faith. It's not your lack of church attendance. It's not that you don't have great faith. Everyone suffers. I actually question your faith if you're not suffering. Are you really a Christian? Though, though something were strange were happening, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. The problem though is when, when suffering does come, we don't know, you don't even know what kind of faith you have until you hit those rocks. And some of you want faith that glorifies God, that brings fruit for God. But every person in this room, whether you believe it or not, you have rocks. Your heart is dark, your heart is rocky, and it's going to have trouble. And I see this all the time. Someone comes to church like, I-, I want my kids to know you, Jesus. I want to give you this part of my life, but you can't have this part of my life. I'm still going to live with my boyfriend. God, 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 you- I'll serve in church, but I'm still going to have sex with my, my, my girlfriend. God I-, God, God, I love you, and I'm going to come to church, but I- I'm going to keep my sexuality. Because if I give that up, it's painful. If I give that up, I don't know who I'll be anymore. And you see these people, this duality. It's, ow! And they begin to mentalize their life. You can go in this room in my life, but you can't go in that room. It's a shallow faith where you pick and choose which parts you want to surrender and which parts you don't. And if I'm honest, the same pain that I experienced the first four years of church planning that actually caused me to lean in, it's actually causing me to lean back now. Because I'm finding out that I have a rocky heart. Uh, we knocked on 75 doors and there was a church, listen, four person, four people in this church. The average age is 65 years old. 
they have two people on staff, the secretary and the pastor. So when the pastor gets up and preaches, he's preaching to a room of three. And they have a, a church that's empty. And we beg them, please let us come at 11. You, you have the building at nine. We'll pay to renovate everything. And they said no. And it sucks. And that same pain that I'm experiencing the first three or four years that caused me to lean in more on God has actually caused me to push me away. And I'm reminded of the words of Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, even Jesus had things that he didn't want to give up. He said, God, I, I don't want to die on the cross. God, I, I don't want to suffer. Is there another way we can have the plan of redemption? But then he taught us what we do when we're in a situation where we don't want to give something up. Not my will. Your will. Not what I want, but what you want. And he modeled for us when all of us, every single person in this room, there will be something that you want and it will cause your heart to be shaken. In that moment, you have to surrender and you have to say, God, maybe, I, maybe, maybe you're in this room and you have a hard heart that when the word is preached, you don't get excited about it and it doesn't bear fruit because you need to pray for God to send rain. And maybe, maybe whenever there's pain, maybe whenever there's difficulty, you find yourself walking and pulling away from God, not because your faith is weak, but because your faith is shallow. And you have rocks that only God can remove. Third type of soil that Jesus gives us is the thorns. Someone say thorns. If I could just pause right here. If you're an American Christian, you probably think you have good soil. This is the one that I personally believe as a pastor, every person in this room has. And I'll tell you why. Matthew 13, verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. He becomes a Christian. He gets baptized. He joins the dream team. Can the dream team holler? Come on. But the worries of this life, the hobbies, the video games, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. It's not that the person doesn't grow. Some of you are like, Pastor Alan, I come to church every week. Why, why do you think I'm that person? Because I'm growing, Pastor Alan. I'm coming to church. I'm taking notes. Yes, you are growing. But I wrote down like this. Healthy things grow. But listen, so do weeds. So do weeds. Anyone remember what happened in 2017? The largest drought we had in the history of California. You, you could not water your lawn. It was actually illegal to wash your car or to water your lawn. And I remember, if you remember, people were actually spray painting their lawn green because everyone had a brown lawn. And I remember, I still, every month, I had to go out and mow my lawn. Pastor Riley, well, why? Because the weeds would grow. Even though I wasn't watering the lawn, even though it looked healthy, the weeds were growing. And, and so often we don't realize, sometimes we think because we come to church, because we serve, because we're, we're part of the Christian community, we're growing. And yes, you are growing, but just because the seed of the gospel is planting fruit in your life, harvest, listen, so are the seeds of thorns. And you don't know until time passes. This is the girl who comes to church and loves God, gives her life, and then she gets a boyfriend. Now she doesn't have time for church. She doesn't have time to serve. Now she doesn't have time to, to give it because she's now, and the boyfriend's not a bad thing. It only becomes a bad thing when it becomes a God thing. Or maybe you're the person that, these are people I met in Bible college all the time. I want to, I'm like, bro, why are you here? You want to be a pastor? You want to start a church? No, I want to go in the business world. 
I want to make a lot of money to give it to God. And I see these same people 10 years later. They're living paycheck to paycheck, buying things they don't need to impress people they don't like. They have a massive mortgage and they have no money to give to the kingdom. Why? Because they love God and they're growing. But the love of equity, the love of money is also growing. We all know these people where every time you interact with them, every time you read their posts on Instagram, they're evangelizing and preaching, but not the gospel. Some political thing. Some, something about the left, something about the right, something about masks, something about the vaccine. And they're now known as an evangelist of that political party. And they're no longer known as an evangelist of Jesus. Because they love God. They do. But they love their political party just as much. Let me remind you, there's no donkeys or elephants in heaven. There's only a slain lamb. And it's hard to realize that thing that you love. And every person in this room, I'm telling you, American Christians, it's thorns. Why? Because you Amazon Prime your life. You Instacart when you need new groceries. When you don't want to cook dinner, you DoorDash it. Your life is about comfort. It's about serving you. And sometimes we come to church and you expect me and my wife to do everything. Listen, we don't need you to serve. Your faith needs it. Because you need to be reminded that this life is not about you. And that thing that you love cannot be greater than Jesus. Because that good thing becomes the God thing. And what farmers did, they would let the plants grow. Because if you pulled the weed out when the plant was growing, you might pull out the healthy, good plants. So what the farmer did is he allowed the the harvest to reach to its end. And then he had to do the painstaking, laborious work of separating the good from the bad, the harvest from the weed. And then he'd harvest the wheat or the, the crops, and then he had to burn the weeds. It took time, and it was painful. And some of you, that needs to become your prayer. God, what do I love more than you? God, I, I got a meal plan, but I don't have a Bible reading plan. God, I'm more disciplined to go to the gym in the morning than I am spending time with you. It's not that those things are bad, but you love that thing more than Jesus. It's when the soil also has thorns. And really, that's the the reason why Jesus is telling us this parable. He's preaching God's word, and the crowd is not receiving it. And I'm preaching God's word, and some of you are not receiving it. And the question is, which soil are you? Are you the hard path? Is your heart hard that you don't trust the Bible, that you don't think the word is reliable? So you question, can I really, did God really say? Is your heart rocky that every time pain comes, every time your family situation gets crazy, every time it gets hard at work, your faith suffers? Or maybe you're grinding it, crushing it at work, and you love God, but you also love a six-pack. You love God, but you're, you're more interested in growing your business than growing your faith. And the issue is never with the seed, but your heart. Which leads us to this last one. The good soil. Someone say good soil. Let me encourage you. Jesus says in Matthew 13, 
But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown in. It's crazy when we were at the Hotel Valencia, we, we had 200 people. And then during COVID, we lost probably 50% of our church. And now we, this month, January, February, is the, we're doing church at five for a year now. In the beginning, it's like, oh my gosh, we're just going to do a few weeks. Oh, we'll get out of here. And here we are, 52 weeks later. And our church is so different. It looks there's so diverse, so multicultural. I love the fact that we have so many different people. Let me tell you what this church is about. This is a Jesus-loving, Jesus-preaching church. We're about that life, Jesus. And Jesus gave us commands. We're trying to be the in and out of churches, not the Cheesecake Factory. You ever go to Cheesecake Factory? Their, their menu is 500 pages long. And they do nothing well. If you love Cheesecake Factory, we'll pray for you to develop taste buds in the name of Jesus. in and out is the best hamburger place. They do three things. Burgers, shakes, and fries. And if you're spirit-filled, it's animal fries. And at Center said, we love God, we love people, we love Silicon Valley. We want to have a service that's loud, vibrant, filled with the Spirit of God. We love people. It's where we do groups. You cannot do life alone. If you want to bear fruit, you need to do it with other people. And then we, we want to love the city, love Silicon Valley. That the fruit that's being born in our lives overflows to the people around us, to our neighbors, to our community. Now we're entering another year at five o'clock, praying and knocking. My wife and I, mainly my wife, because she's our small group director, our creative director, she co-leads with me. She's been feeling this burden alley. We need to change our small group. I just feel the sense that as a church, we need to do something, which is why we started a 10-week discipleship course. We, we've never done this as a church where we do groups all the same way. We're now, I'm actually preaching on Rooted while we're going through Rooted, talking about how we want our hearts to be rooted. And Rooted is really about seven rhythms. Daily time with God. Prayer. Repentance. I have to repent for my hard heart. I have to repent that there are times where I go through persecution and trouble and it causes me to pull away from God. I'm telling you, repentance is not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. Then we're talking about money. We're talking about how we're going to serve our community as a group together. We're talking about how do we share our faith and how do we worship. Because I want to invite you on this journey that I believe in the next 10 weeks, your life and faith and your walk with God will be different. Why? Because you're going to get connected to God, your church, and your purpose. And if it doesn't happen, you got to ask the question, maybe my heart is hard. Maybe the seed that God's preaching to me is, is just being taken away by the devil. Maybe my heart is rocky, that I expect this easy, cush, comfortable life. Maybe my heart is growing around weeds. Maybe some of you just need to get away from weed. It's a joke, by the way. Which one? Because most Christians, especially American Christians, we assume our heart is good soil. And it might be, but it might not. You guys and bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you real quick. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. Thank you, God, that you are the master communicator. I thank you, Lord, that you teach these deep spiritual truths using simple things. God, that you, 
you long for us to bear fruit for you. You long for intimacy, that you, it's not a thing that we have to manufacture on our own, God. It's not, it's not about trying harder. It's not about working hard. It's not about trying to be more loving. It's about abiding in you. And we're going to bear fruit. But God, sometimes the problem is not the seed, but our heart. I pray for those in this room who have a hard heart. God, would you send your rain, Holy Spirit? Would you do that thing that only you can do, God? Holy Spirit, come, soften the heart, rain on their heart, till the soil of the hardness of their heart, God. There are others even in this room, you have a rocky heart. That you love Jesus, you, you worship him, you run hard after him, but the moment pain comes, the moment trouble comes, you pull away instead of leaning in. That you expect a comfortable, cush life. And the only life you and I can expect is one with Jesus. And he's a midwife who's holding your hand, encouraging you that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. He does not promise a pain-free life. He promises to walk with you in the pain. And then there are some of you in this room, you're a type A, high-functioning techie. You love Jesus, and you love working out. You love Jesus, and you love your promotion at work. You love Jesus, and you love RSUs and money. None of those things are bad things, but often those good things, they're dangerous when they become God things. And the seed of the gospel is growing, but so are weeds. I just pray for every person in this room that can hear the sound of my voice, God, that they would come to you and they would repent, God. They would confess, God, I, I love this, and my heart is like that. And they wouldn't try to change themselves but they would do the simple work of abiding, believing that you're going to change them. I feel led to pray for some of you in this room who have not started a relationship with Jesus, this living God. Let me quickly preach you the gospel. The gospel is good news, but it's good in light of the bad news. The bad news is that you and I are sinful. You and I fall short of the glory of God. and We cannot earn, we cannot love, we cannot work our way to heaven. And because we cannot reach heaven, God left heaven to come to us. And the bridge is not religion. The bridge is not prayer. The bridge is not good works. The bridge is faith in Jesus, and he does all the work for us. That God wants a personal relationship with you. That he wants you to abide in him, to call on him, to, 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 to not just call him your Savior, but call him your Lord. And the work of a Christian is simply to believe. If that's you tonight, and you've never taken that first step of faith, Maybe you've come to church, but you've never prayed the prayer to begin a relationship with Jesus for the very first time. That you feel that tug on your heart and you want to start a relationship with Jesus with every eye closed and with every head bowed. We just raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Put your hand down. Just pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you. For leaving heaven for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn from my ways. And I come to you. I want to abide in you. I want to walk with you. God, thank you for your forgiveness. God, I want to walk with you all the days of my life. I want to abide in you from this day forth. Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you guide me? Would you lead me so I can love Jesus? And would you soften my heart to make a good soil so that you can produce much fruit in my life.
Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.